This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Federal government and the provincial government both today making announcements about housing and trying to deal with the housing crisis, the affordable housing situation that we have uh, all across this country. Here in Alberta, Community and Social Services Minister Jason Nixon, uh, Nixon announcing $16 billion that, or $16 million, I apologize, it's a big difference, $16 million that will be used to support affordable housing. Basically, it will be used to upgrade provincial housing units that are no longer in use. Okay, so that's what was announced by the province today. Then at the federal level, um, Justin Trudeau and Housing Minister Sean Fraser had an announcement to talk about uh, a new housing plan that they were billing as the first time we would have an announcement like this in Canada. However, uh, I didn't obviously hear the announcement. It just happened um, in, uh, where are they in? London, Ontario, I believe. Um, but from what I'm seeing, the reaction that I'm seeing on social media, there's really nothing new in it. It's a rehashing of an announcement for a housing development in London that is really rather small. And um, we'll see. Maybe there's more to it. Like I say, I'm just uh, during the break taking a look at the latest. But obviously, this is a focal point. This is something everybody is talking about in our country. And, you know, politicians feeling the pressure. This is an issue that's affecting so many Canadians. And we've been talking about it a lot here. Um and there's all kinds of things that we've all identified as problems, right? And, and they're all legitimate. They all part part of the situation. I think, you know, uh, you take a look at what happened with Toronto and Vancouver, where they said, okay, no more foreign investment. We're not going to allow that anymore. That's going to be done. Um, right now, Calgary is doing a complete overhaul, or at least a review of how they handle zoning and all those sorts of things, and whether or not they need to change that to allow for more housing to be developed. And lately, there's been a lot of talk about immigration. Yesterday, we talked about almost 1 million foreign students coming to Canada this year alone. Uh, we brought in almost a million immigrants last year. We're, we're shooting for about a half million a year is sort of the stated goal. All for good reasons. Not saying that's a bad thing. We need um, these people brought into the country to help us with our labor force, uh, all these sorts of things. Healthcare we talk about all the time. So we definitely need help. We definitely do. But it's kind of hard to say, okay, well, then where are they going to live, right? That, does that add to the problem? I think a lot of people clearly recently have said, yeah, this is part of the problem. But Maybe there's more to it. Our next guest says, we've got to think that through. It's not that simple. We're going to chat now with Carolyn Witzman, who's a housing policy researcher. Carolyn, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. No problem. I just finished listening to the announcement. So if there's anything you want to okay. know, just ask. <laughs> yeah, what's your reaction? Because the reaction I'm seeing online is really like, that's it? Like, this is your plan? What are you? Th- what did you hear? Well, I heard $74 million, which isn't uh, uh, peanuts to the city of um, London, Ontario, and um, specifically around three initiatives, one of which was pretty straightforward, allowing four units as of right. So that's similar to um, what's being talked about in Calgary and uh, Edmonton, um, just legalizing um, multifamily housing uh, in the majority of the city, which is absolutely necessary. Uh, the second aspect of it, and, and there were fewer details, was around student housing, and, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that in a moment. And the third announcement, where there were the fewest details, unfortunately, was around more supportive housing to help 
um, people who are homeless. And I know some great evaluations of initiatives in uh, London. They're working. They just need a little bit more um, uh, money. So I'm not I'm not as cynical, perhaps, as okay. some of the folks on Twitter. Um, uh, that seems like a substantive investment in three things that'll help. Good. And, and we need all the help we can get at this point. Um, the reason we reached out is um, you were recently interviewed by McLean's Magazine talking about housing and specifically immigration. And I think that's really come to the forefront in the past, I don't know, a couple of weeks or a month. It seems to be something that a lot of people are focused on. Um, the federal minister actually was asked about it and said, yeah, when you're when you're bringing all these people to the country, it does have an impact on our housing situation. So is that not an accurate? How big of a concern, I guess, is it in terms of are we hurting ourselves trying to help ourselves? What's your take on you know, immigration and its effect on our housing situation? Well, I kind of want to pull immigrants and foreign uh, students for a minute. Okay. Uh, Canada is a country of immigrants. Uh, and really, the, the bottom line is that we aren't, uh, we don't have the right housing policy settings to house people who are already living in Canada saying no, no one else can live in Canada until we've solved those housing uh, problems doesn't seem to me to be a very good approach. But now I want to focus a bit on students for a minute. So in 1991, when the federal government started its current method of looking at who needs housing, it consciously, it made a political decision to exclude students. It said being a student is a temporary and voluntary condition and we're not going to include them in core housing need. I think that was a terrible, terrible mistake. And I think that that needs to change um, in the next census, uh, the 2026 census, if not before that. So the fact is we don't know right. how many students are living in overcrowded accommodations or in um, uh, uh, are in terribly unaffordable uh, conditions. We hear anecdotally about, you know, 14 students. And, and at that point, it doesn't really matter no. whether they're local students or international students. 14 students in a two-bedroom apartment is a problem. Yeah. So um, we have to sort of start uh, by saying, how many students are uh, living away from their parents? How many would want to be living away from their parents? What's their housing conditions? How can we help more students um, get into student housing so that they aren't crowding out other renters? And after we've put together all that evidence, then we can say with a certain amount of knowledge or authority, um, well, this is why we need to limit, limit the number of international students. How, how did we get there where we, we, we've now got the crisis that we need to deal with? It would be really nice to have the kind of information you're talking about, but we have these glaring holes in our data supply. What happened? How did we get into that position? Well, a lot of things happened in the early 1990s, and one of the most important things was the federal government essentially got out of affordable housing policy. It devolved as part of the Charlottetown discussions, which, by the way, weren't even an agreement, uh, two provinces, provinces in turn, downloaded the responsibility of housing to municipalities, which means that, you know, 737 municipalities across Canada have no coordinated effort to deal with uh, housing. So leadership has to come from the top. Um, and what happened at the same time is that the federal government stopped funding 
any non-market or non-profit housing, including student housing, which had been supported in the 70s and 80s. And that's around the time that homelessness started increasing. And actually, Calgary has really good stats on how homelessness just started to shoot up in the 1990s. And of course, Calgary had at that point a lot more affordable housing than Vancouver or Toronto, but still the absence of really cheap housing, um, uh, subsidized housing, had a, a immediate impact. So there's a whole bunch of mistakes that were made 30 years ago uh, that we're still, we've built up a huge deficit that's led to a crisis. So how do we get started on addressing it? Um, like, like like I say, there's there's no shortage of people saying this is the problem, that's the problem. Um, how do we fix it? I mean, I guess identifying the problem is part of it, but we still need to address it. What, where, how would you get started on that? Well, I guess I'd start with three things. I mean, one of the things, and I'm not even counting what we were just talking about, which is just, you know, um, accurate data on who needs housing where, because there's a lot of gaps in the data that we have. I'm not even counting that. Um, The first is that the federal government does need to invest again in non-market housing for people who are most in uh, need. The second thing that the um, federal government needs to do, and is starting to do with this housing accelerator fund, is put some targets on provinces and on cities, not just about total number of homes, but again, you know, um, what sizes of households, what can people afford, that sort of thing, and start looking at the policy settings that the federal government can influence in terms of taxation. Why are we charging uh, GST on rental buildings, um, etc.? So there needs to be targets and there does need to be a national approach to the kinds of policy settings we need to really ramp up um, uh, affordable housing, and that includes um, agreements with cities that legalize housing, like the one we saw or heard today in London, the one I saw that you were busy working. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I appreciate you giving us a little insight about what was discussed. Um, you, you mentioned something about, you know, sort of coming up with policies or at least coming up with plans um, to sort of find out what kind of housing people want, what people can afford when it comes to housing. Whenever we talk about this, I hear from the audience and they got, it, it, it seems to make so much sense. I'm wondering what you think about mobile homes, which we don't see as much as we did when I was a kid, modular homes, um, smaller mm. homes. I mean, do, do we need to have a more um, open-ended discussion as to let's not limit the kinds of homes that we're talking about here? No, I completely agree with you. Um, if you look at the post-war period when Canada enabled a million and a half uh, po- um, homes for heroes, returning servicemen, uh, that was based on um, uh, a design or a set of designs that were just plonked down one after another. There was a big element of prefab. Houses could be built in uh, 36 hours with uh, pre-assembled um, uh, ingredients. As for mobile homes, yep, they smaller homes in general, uh, including mobile homes, are part of the solution. Again, they're not really legalized in cities right, right yeah. now. A lot of mobile home um, uh, um, uh, areas are being closed down. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, it's better to have a small enclosed home than no home whatsoever, that's for sure. Absolutely, right? And, you know, when you talk about uh, ease of building and, and building quickly and affordability, some of those things you're talking about, the modular homes and the mobile homes, check all those boxes far better than the little house out in the suburbs does. 
Absolutely. All levels of government have been better at closing off affordable housing options than in enabling them. And that really needs to change. And again, it needs to be a national effort to look at the municipal, provincial and federal settings that have created the mess that we're in right now and fix them. It's not, it, it's a, housing is a complex system that solutions have got to be uh you know look at all three levels of government but who is best served to lead lead to that initiative surely the federal government caroline as somebody who sort of spends their 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 lives dealing with this and studying this and exploring this i'm wondering because we're talking about a crisis and it, it, some crises is you can step in or crises you can step in and possibly solve within a day or a week or a month depending on what it is it seems to me like this one is everything i hear is long term it's long term which is which is okay that that we may be in a better place, you know, in a year or five years from now. But but what do we do in the meantime? Are there quick fixes that we should be exploring? Well, the Rapid Housing Initiative, which was one federal program, um, has managed to build a lot of modular supportive housing really quickly and has made a real difference to homelessness in the cities where it's been dried. And that is a play, like, again, it's not going to be overnight. Yeah. But there are is housing being built in a year and uh, 18 months. We really have to take an industrial approach to um, housing in a way that we haven't for a really long time. I'd argue maybe since World War II, it's possible. We've done it before. We can do it again. Exactly, yeah. We've already got a, a plan to work off of. Uh, Carolyn, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you being here.